Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast, where you get real and practical advice on how to go from wearing boots to wearing a suit. We've got you covered on advice from writing resumes to killing it in an interview. Be sure to check out this podcast and more at transitionvetcoach.com. And now your host, former Navy Lieutenant Pat Bergstresser. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. This is your host, Pat Bergstresser. I've been on a quite a break lately. A lot of changes have been going on, um, so I'm happy to get back to the podcast. Uh, Just some updates about me before we get into the episode. Last time you heard me, I was working at a manufacturing company that I wasn't in love with, uh, you know, working there and, uh, just wasn't really, I kind of realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and there was a lot of aspects, uh, as to why I felt that way, but, uh, I was looking to work somewhere else and, uh, I ended up taking a position at Capital One that I'm super stoked about. I've been there for a while now, about nine months. Um, and it's way more interesting and way cooler of a job than I had before, uh, all the benefits are better. The pay is better. Um, and along with that, I, uh, I asked them to move. I, I took the job in the same area I lived in. I lived in the D.C. area. Um, but I told them I wanted to move, get out of the D.C. area. The cost of living was high. And so um, after my first couple months working at their main headquarters office in McLean, Virginia, uh, I talked to my team lead and moved down to their Richmond office, uh, which is used to be their headquarters and is still, uh, I think, their largest or second largest office in the com- company. So lots of people down here that work for Capital One. It's been down here for a long time. So super happy to be down here. Also bought another home, renting out the old home, got a dog. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of changes going on. Uh, and kind of through all of that, I kind of put this on hold because uh, I wanted to get settled into the job, get moved, all that kind of other stuff, and took a long hiatus. So I apologize for not having tips out lately, but I am back. Uh, I've built a lot of content already as I'm recording this, um, and we're going to have a whole new series that I'm going to get into, and and we're going to talk about the interview process and my thoughts on that, having gone through it on both sides. I've interviewed veterans, interviewed regular candidates, um, and then also interviewed recently uh, successfully at Capital One. Um, So happy to talk about my experiences there uh, and what I've seen uh, throughout the process thus far, particularly related to veterans and the transition. So first off, uh, this podcast is completely created to provide actionable advice. That is what we do, and that's what I'm here to do with you guys. Uh, I will say, if you haven't already, I encourage you to go back and check out the resume section. If you haven't written your resume or you're looking to buff uh, buff it up a little bit, improve it, um, make it uh, uh, pack a punch uh, with those who read it, check out the resume section. Uh, all of that is on the website, transitionvetcoach.com. There's a blog post and a podcast for every section of the resume, the format that I recommend, uh, at least to start with. Uh, once you've got a really, really solid resume, considering doing a second series of taking that resume to version 2.0, where we get it down to one page and uh, and we really sharpen uh, the bullet points and really sharpen the overall message and really pinpoint that resume to a specific role that you're looking for. That's what I had to do when I interviewed at Capital One and I learned a lot going through that process and so happy to share that with you guys. But for now, we're going to talk about the interview process. We're going to break this up into eight sections. Um, and one thing that you know I want to touch on is more than likely in the military, you sat through some sort of board, uh, whether it was for a particular job, a particular position, maybe it was sailor of the quarter, something like that. You've probably at least seen boards. You had to put on you know, your service dress. It had to look really sharp. You had to sit through this very formal process of people asking you questions. 
And while you may have done that before, the civilian interview process is just totally different. I mean, you you need to look sharp, you need to be professional, you need to smile, you need to make a good impression, all that kind of stuff. But it's a lot less about the specific knowledge you display and the formalities and a lot more of do they like you? I mean, that's really what, what interviews come down to is do they like you and do they think you can do the job? Um, and so that's really what we're going to cover here. Uh, and so, like I said, we broke it down into eight sections. Uh, the first is going to be attitude. And we're going to talk about w- why that's so important. And, and again, that's what I was touching on with it. They have to like you. Um, the attitude plays a big part in that. And I think there's a tendency for veterans to get really overconfident. There's a somewhat of a type A macho attitude in a lot of uh, parts of the military. Um, and I think that attitude uh, has its place, um, particularly when when uh, people are in positions where they need to kill another person um, or put bombs on target or break things or kill terrorists or whatever it is we're trying to do. I think that vet, that attitude has a place, uh, but that type of attitude has no place in an interview. And so we'll talk about why attitude is important and what kind of attitude is important and what kind of hat per se you need to put on when you're sitting through uh, an interview. While I'm talking about attitude, the one aspect that I want to touch on, and and this will be part of that podcast and that post, is positivity and why it's important to be positive in your interview. Because more than likely, they are going to ask you why you're getting out of the military. And it's really easy to be like, I'm so sick and tired of working weekends. I'm sick of the deployments. I'm sick of not seeing my family. I'm sick of people yelling at me. I hate wearing the uniform. I hate shaving every day. I hate getting my hair cut every week or two weeks. It's really easy to say all of that. But in reality, that's not what they want to know, right? They want to know what are you looking forward to working with them. And they're not going to be able to relate to any of the things you're complaining about unless they're a veteran themselves. And more than likely, they won't be. So when you're addressing that question, which you will inherently get a lot, uh, you need to know how to answer it. And so in that positivity section about being positive, we're going to talk about how to answer that. And it really boils down to what you're looking forward to outside of the military versus what you hated in the military. Uh, The next section, we'll be talking about dress code. Uh, You might have thought that dress code was over. For the most part, it is. Uh, But what my recommendation is going to be is while you're going through this transition process to not take the opportunity to start growing out your beard or growing your hair longer or trying a new fashion style or wearing a flashy suit or any of that bullshit. This is an opportunity to present your best self and you just need to keep it clean for another couple months. Don't grow your beard yet. Don't grow your hair out. Just Come as who you are. Uh, They're going to know you're a veteran. They're not going to judge you for having a high and tight. Uh, They're not going to judge you for anything like that. So you still need to be yourself. However, there there definitely are some some mistakes that I've seen made when I've interviewed veterans, and they're easy and common pitfalls, and and also a lot that that I just learned going through the process myself of how to best present yourself and how to keep, and most importantly, this this section, the dress code section, is really about how to keep the focus on you and not what you're wearing, right? Like you want to look sharp, you want to look presentable, you want to make that, present that right image, but you don't want people remembering you for what you wore. You want them remembering you because of you, because of what you told them, the stories you told the the way you presented yourself and not what color tie you chose to wear or some what a lapel pin you had on uh, that that's not what you want them to remember you by and so in this dress code section we're going to talk about how to dress professional and sharp and make a good impression but let the interview still be about you and not what you're wearing
sharing. The next section is going to be about is the inherent question that you'll get at the beginning of almost every single interview, and that's tell me about yourself. So most of the time, when you do an interview, that's how they're going to open it up. They're going to say, walk me through your resume. Tell me about yourself. Tell me, tell me where you're coming from. Some sort of question like that. Uh, and there's definitely uh, in, in art to how to answer this question. Um, there's a lot of feeling out how long of an answer they kind of want. And so in this in this particular section, we're going to break it down into two versions. The elevator pitch version, which is that 20 to 30 second really quick interview or a really quick introduction of what type of person you are and what you're looking to do. That's typically an intro that you'll use kind of on a job fair floor or a job hiring conference floor where you're talking to a lot of different employers and you're just trying to give an introduction of yourself to somebody on the conference floor. And then there's the longer version when you finally sit down face to face with someone and you have a 30, 45 minute interview and you actually have some time to to really talk about who you are and where you come from. And the real point that I want to stress in this section is to take the opportunity to talk about where you come from. What is your background? Because ultimately, what you're trying to do in an interview is get yourself to be memorable and to find a connection with the person you're talking to. And if all you ever talk about is work and sort of your professional accomplishments, and you don't really talk about who you are as an individual, they're very unlikely to remember you. But if you can talk about what it was like growing up in your house and why your parents stressed that you do chores and why you had a job growing growing up and why you decided to join the military and why it's time to get out now and what you're looking forward to and what your strengths and skills are and what you learned in the military that makes you different from every other applicant. When you talk about yourself as a story, that's really what is going to connect with the person you're interviewing with. And so that's really what we're going to talk about in that section is, is how to make yourself memorable straight at, off the bat with that first introductory question of when they ask you to tell, you, uh, tell them about yourself. The next section is the success and failure stories. So if you recall, if you listen to the resume series, and if you haven't, you should go listen to it. Uh, in the professional experience section, when we're figuring out how to first write that section, one of the things I talked about was creating a list of all of your accomplishments in the military. It's a real pain in the ass, uh, but it was really beneficial and really figuring out what to put in your professional experience section. Well, if you remember in that post and podcast, I mentioned save a copy of that full list of accomplishments and name it failure and success stories because it was going to come back later. And this is where it comes back. So before you start going through the interview process, you want to have a handful of success and failure stories in your back pocket because most of the time when you get a behavioral type question in an interview and behavioral questions are, Tell me about your greatest success. Tell me about a time you failed and how you recovered. Tell me about a time you helped someone when you didn't have to. Tell me about your greatest professional achievement. Whatever it is, it all centers around accomplishments and failures, for the most part, accomplishments. And so by creating a list of five to six success stories, you know, some people will say have more stories than that. I think five to six is fine. But, you know, five to six success stories and two failure stories, those stories will give you an opportunity to always have a really well thought out, well defined uh, way of exemplifying the answer to the question. Uh, because if they tell you to tell me about your greatest success, and you have a two sentence answer, you know, like, oh, we went on deployment, and we achieved the mission, and we came home safely. Like, that's really boring. And again, you want to be memorable. And so you want to have this well-constructed story that talks about the success, how you were successful, why it was meaningful, who you impacted, and figure out a way to tell it in a personal way that uh, gets them to learn more about you while also hearing about why you're so great. That's really what it's all about. And while you're grooming those stories, you want to be able to do it in a, like a 60 to 90 second 
maybe up to 122nd story so that you don't take up the whole interview and have this run-on answer where they kind of lose the point of the story. Now, if you get into conversation with the interviewer and they're asking questions and you're grooving with them, that's great. But what you don't want is to go on some five to 10 minute dialogue or a monologue of just telling some story and, and, and never really understanding the point. And I've done that before, or not myself, but I've heard that happen when I was interviewing uh, a guy at my last job and he was telling me about some mission when he was in the army and he literally went on for like 10 to 15 minutes. And I don't even remember what his point was. We had to cut him off at one point. It was just kind of awkward. And, you know, I don't even think he really realized how awkward it was. Um, but it was just weird. And we ended up not uh, recommending him to go on to the next step. So you don't want to do that. And so in this particular step, the success and failure stories, we're going to talk about how to craft that really solid response. So then when they ask you these questions, you have a handful of stories to pull from, you pull the most relevant one from your head and you deliver it uh, perfectly. We'll also talk about failure stories. You know, specifically, you don't just want to talk about the failure. You want to talk about those stories where you failed and you learned from it and then you recovered and you, you implement potentially implemented that lesson learned learned later on. That's really what the failure stories are all about is being honest about a failure because everybody knows you're going to fail at some point. So they want to, you know, companies want to hire someone who's honest and has that integrity. And as veterans, we absolutely have that integrity. So don't be too confident here to not have a failure story. But we're going to talk about that and how to figure out those failure stories, how to deliver them, how to craft them and what they're all about. Next, uh, we're going to talk about location. So I, I'm, uh, I, I have quite an opinion on this. Um, I think, at the end of the day, you have to do what's right for you. Uh, but what the mistake that I see most veterans make, or maybe not most, but a lot, is that they get caught up in this, I need a sacrifice on location so I can find a, a great career. Um, but what you'll find out when you get out is now you have the opportunity to live literally wherever you want, whether it's move back home, whether it's move back to where your spouse is from, or just pick a place you want to go to and go there. Like you literally have that opportunity and it's really easy to not understand how big corporate America is and how many opportunities are out there. And so more often than not, if you go to any metro area, you're going to find a role that suits you and there'll be opportunities for growth within that. If you work with military headhunters, they will straight up tell you to sacrifice on location and focus on growth opportunities. Here's a big secret. If you have a job and you work hard at it and you do well, you're going to get promoted. You're going to have opportunities for advancement. And this bullshit notion that headhunters give you that you got to sacrifice on location and take the job that they're getting paid for you to fill just because it's a growth opportunity is a bunch of bullshit. Like, yeah, it is a growth opportunity more often than not. And you probably will get promoted, but you have to deliver, right? Like you don't, the, these companies aren't rolling out the red carpet for you and you just show up and you you get promoted really quickly as a result, you still got to deliver. And if you're in a normal job that isn't a quote unquote growth opportunity, you still have to deliver, right? So the difference is negligible in, in my opinion. And I think it's more about, I mean, I was in one of these leadership development programs and the more longer I was in it, the more I realized like it's literally a long form interview and it's a bunch of bullshit and it's a bunch of games rather than just focusing on my job and doing a good job. I had to figure out how I was going to promote into my next role 
control because I was stuck in this awkward, weird position where I wasn't really in a, in a, in an important role, but I had to promote into one and I was working for one line of business, but trying to interview uh, informally for another line. And it was just a bunch of bullshit. If I had just been in a regular role and I could compete for interviews and promotions, just like everyone else, it would have been a lot more straightforward and a lot less stressful. And in corporate America, if you deliver results, you will get promoted. So you don't need this like fast track leadership development program. That was a little bit longer of a monologue on that than I intended. Uh, but, but that's what I feel strongly about. And my whole point here is you do not have to sacrifice on location. It is true that some industries have more of a focus in certain areas than others. You go to San Francisco, you're going to have a lot of tech opportunities, but the cost of living is really high. Uh, same goes for New York City. You can work in a lot of different industries there, but cost of living is high. If you're interested in oil and gas, Houston, Texas, great opportunity for that. If you're interested uh, in government contracting, Washington, D.C. So there's all different cities have different focuses, but more often than not, you're going to find a little bit of everything in every major metro city. And so unless you're looking to go live in bumfuck hometown, middle of nowhere, where there probably aren't a lot of opportunities if it's a really small town, uh, if you're looking at major metro metro areas, you, more often than not, you're going to be fine. And so don't get sucked into this. You have to sacrifice on location and go live in some small ass town just to, to focus on a growth opportunity. Don't believe that because for the first time in your life, you get to choose where you want to live. And don't forget that and don't let people talk you out of it. So next, moving on to compensation. So this is a pretty long post and section uh, because there's a lot to consider here. Uh, the big thing is TRICARE, in my opinion. That's really the big thing here is that you're no longer going to have TRICARE. So for the first time in your life, unless you were a civilian before you came into the military, you're going to have to go pay a little bit of money every time you go to the doctor. Now, certain things are going to be covered, like your annual physical and maybe some blood work, dentist visits for cleaning, stuff like that. A lot of that's generally included in most healthcare policies. But anything else, you're going to have to pay a little bit out of pocket. You might have to pay for a prescription, you know, copay, something like that. Um, and it's not usually going to be a lot, but if you have a, an expensive procedure, you're going to have to pay a decent chunk of change. And so we're going to talk about very uh, loosely kind of what to look for with that. Um, we'll also talk about how to go through the negotiation process. I am not considering myself any sort of negotiation expert, but I can tell you what's worked for me, what to think about, um, and how to approach that and get over the fear of negotiating because believe it or not, it's expected and they're not going to throw you at the door for countering their offer. Uh, they went through a lot of work to get you to the final stage and give you an offer. And so we'll talk a little bit about how, go about how to go about that. We'll talk about how to consider BAH no longer being a factor. Uh, that's a big, bigger impact than I had realized. I knew I wasn't going to get BAH anymore, but... I didn't really understand the the tax advantage there where BAH is not taxable. And that actually can, I mean, it makes an impact for sure. And I, I knew that, but I didn't truly understand it until it happened. Um, so we'll talk about that and talk about a little bit other, uh, a few other aspects of the compensation package, benefits, what to look for there, stuff like that. And then for the last two sections, we'll talk about questions. So anytime you interview with a company, you want to have questions. I recommend three, uh, specifically one about the person interviewing you, one about the company, and one about the role. Uh, we'll talk about how to come up with those questions, how to do the research, uh, how it's good if you're LinkedIn creeping and they notice you LinkedIn creeping because it means you care. We'll talk about stuff like that. Um, but asking questions and the right types of questions show you care, right? So if you say, hey, how's it going in the company right now? Versus, hey, I was looking at a recent press release that you guys put out about this new product. 
and it looks like you're trying to get into this uh, sector of this particular industry. Can you talk a little bit about why you guys are going about it that way or, or what the thoughts are there? Something like that shows you actually did some research on the company, you're interested in what they do, and you want to learn a little bit more. And so we'll talk about how to come up with those questions and why that is just as important as the rest of the interview. Those questions display a level of interest, and the person interviewing you wants to see that you're interested. Uh, and then lastly, we'll talk about closing. So a mistake that I see veterans make a lot and just people in general, is they don't know how to close an interview. And they don't really realize that you're supposed to close an interview. So when you're interviewing for a job, and as you're going through the interview, you realize it's something you want, you need to let them know that. And so you don't need to stare them in the eyes and say, can I have the job? That's really awkward. And more often than not, they can't tell you if they can offer you the job. And they're going to need to talk about it with the other people that spoke with you uh, earlier in that process. So you don't stare them in the eyes and ask for the job. But what you do say is you make it very clear that you're interested, you're looking forward to moving on in the next process and into the process further and and looking forward to becoming part of the team, something like that, sort of a soft way. Um, and we'll also talk about follow up. After every interview, I always either send uh, a thank you note via email or LinkedIn messaging if I don't have their email, um, just to let them know that, you know, I, I appreciate their time and I look forward to continued uh, working together in the future, something like that. Uh, we'll talk about how to do that in that section. Um, and so other than that, I mean, that's, that's really it. So again, it's, it's going to be eight parts. We'll go through each part, uh, step by step. We'll have a separate post and podcast for each one. So as, as veterans, like we have naturally the confidence to go in and crush these interviews because we build that confidence. That's what they ask of us, regardless of whether you're a soldier, Marine, an airman, a sailor, a CB like me, whatever, confidence is instilled and developed in us because they need it uh, when we're downrange. And so I have no doubt that every single one of you out there listening has that confidence. But what's important to remember when you're going through the interview process is you're not interviewing it for a military role. You're interviewing for a civilian role, and they don't need you or want you to be a military soldier in that job. They want you to be a normal employee, an associate, just like everybody else, but bring the uniqueness that makes you to that job, right? So being a veteran is part of what defines you. But again, you're not going to be a Marine at a financial services company. You're going to be a consultant at a financial services company or an analyst or whatever it is, right? And so it's really important for you to remember that and remember that you will always be a veteran, and that's probably something that they like about you and is interesting, and it's a, it makes you memorable, uh, but it's not everything that defines you. And so it's important to remember that you need to bring the confidence and the positivity to that interview uh, that you're naturally able to as a veteran, but to not come off as somebody who isn't ready to leave the military. You know, you, you, you don't want to be too rough around the edges. You certainly don't want to be cussing in, in interviews. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And yes, I have interviewed people who were using cuss words in an interview. And while, while I get that, it's just not the time or place. Like, it's really easy when you're catching up with another veteran to like start talking like, you know, you're at the smoke pit or whatever. But in reality, it's not the time or place to do that. If you catch them at the bar later, maybe something like that at the airport, but certainly not in the interview. Um, but anyway, it's really easy to get caught up in that sort of talking about those veteran stories and kind of remember what it was like. But you have to remember you're trying to present yourself as someone who's ready to get out of the military, take the uniform off and be a regular civilian like everyone else. And so that's that's really what's important here as you're going through this process is to remember to be you, be uh, you are somewhat defined by being a veteran, but not let that overtake your entire story and get 
and allow the person interviewing you to get a little bit of insight into who you are as a person beyond the fact that you wore the uniform. And so that, so that they can gain confidence that you're ready to take the uniform off and start working with people who are never in the military. Because the more time I've spent out, the more I've realized people who are not in just do not connect with what you did in the military. They like, it really is weird. They really think like what they've seen in movies and read in books is like how it is. And it's just weird. Like, you know, for me, I grew up in a military family. I went to a service academy and then I was on active duty. My whole life was the military. And to be around so many people who have zero connection to it uh, is just really weird. Um, and so I've really, like, at the manufacturing company I worked for, there was a lot of veterans there. And the program that I was in was almost exclusively former veterans. So I really could be myself around everybody. And I didn't realize how much of an advantage that was, or not advantage, but just how unique that was. Because now that I'm at Capital One, I mean, I I mean, I know some veterans there because I'm a member of the veteran, uh, so, uh, the veteran like associate resource group. But everybody I work with day to day, none of them are veterans, and so it, 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 you know, and sometimes when I talk about military stuff, I just see that they, in their eyes, they just don't really get what I'm talking about, and I have to kind of turn it off. And so the more time I've been in this role, the more I realize like I really need to not draw on that military stuff because they don't connect to it. And I need to draw on something that connects with other people. And so I've had to learn that like, like I'm a really big fan of The Office and so are some other people on my team. And so we talk about The Office a lot. And, uh, you know, when I'm on Zoom calls, I make my background like Michael's office or, or some other scene from The Office, just things that, that allow me to connect with them rather than like, you know, a picture of a, uh, in the background of my Zoom of when I was deployed, like nobody's really going to get that. Like they'll be like, oh, that's cool, but they can't connect with that. And it's just sort of weird. And so anyway, like when you're going through the interview process, you want to present that you're ready to not be on active duty anymore and just be a veteran who's proud of their service, but doesn't talk about it all the time. Um, And so that's really what's important here. So that's it. I'll wrap it up there for now. So again, got a bunch of content coming to you guys here soon. I'm building a lot of it right now. But that's what we're going to talk about uh, over the next series. Um, I went back and changed all the resume podcasts to just one series on their own. So no longer numbering these transition tips because they're a lot more structured than I originally intended. So the first series was on resumes. Second is going to be on interviews. We'll have some more series on some other stuff in the future because there's certainly a lot to talk about when it comes to transitioning. And I'm still learning the process myself, but happy to deliver you guys what I do learn and what I do find to be successful so that I can provide actionable advice so you guys can go out there and crush it as I know you will. As always, uh, you know, sign up for our newsletter uh, at transitionvetcoach.com. Uh, you can sign up. We'll send you uh, content as soon as we create it, and uh, we will not pepper you with uh, random emails. It's very rarely send emails, only when we have advice for you guys. And just by signing up, you'll get the transition tips checklist, which is like a two-page checklist that I created that kind of covers a lot of the information that we've already covered and a lot of information we haven't covered yet about things that you need to think about uh, on your, uh, during your transition as you're going through that process. And for those of you who have been listening, you know that uh, my favorite quote, I end every podcast with it. It's a Winston Churchill quote, and it is, success is not final, failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. While we're on the note of interviews, you're going to go through a lot of interviews and you're never going to hear back. You're going to get no's. You're going to have things that don't go well. Most veterans do a lot of interviews when they get out, but you only need one to be successful, right? And so just remember, you're going to fail. It's okay. You failed the military. You're going to fail more than likely. You're going to have at least one interview you don't get, and that's okay. Maybe you weren't the right fit. Maybe you weren't what they they were looking for, and that's okay. At the end of the day, as long as you you are you and your authentic self, uh, you will be successful. And when you are successful, it's not final. Just because you won one interview doesn't mean you won't need to do that again. 
you know, I interviewed at my first company, I got the job and then I didn't like it and I moved on and I went through a bunch of interviews at Capital One and now I'm happy here. And who knows what the future holds, but the point is success is not final. It's not ever over. You always need to be continuing to work on yourself. Uh, and so that's why I love the quote so much uh, as it always pushes, whenever I think about it, pushes me to, to continue to, to deliver and to work hard w- regardless of whether I'm succeeding or failing. So that's it. Thanks so much for listening. This is Pat from transitionvetcoach.com. Uh, again, uh, sign up for our newsletter at the website uh, and we will send you a free trans- transition checklist with everything you need to focus on as you're going through the through your transition. Thanks so much and we will see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. For more transition tips and content, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out transitionvetcoach.com. Thanks so much for your service and all you do. As always, if you have any questions, email Pat directly at pat at transitionvetcoach.com.